Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Um... I've decided I want a new thing. You want a new thing? I want a new job. I want to be the person in the state of Virginia who complains about other states. I want to be the official complainer in chief and perhaps brings court cases and all kinds of stuff about other states. I don't like the way Alaska is shaped. I don't like all those fringy, edgy bits. I want it to be more square like Kansas. Oh, okay. I think I want to bring a court case and complain about that. Uh, I can do that, right? I can bring uh, court cases and complain about other states. Well, it kind of sort of depends. (laughs) Does it depend on whether they've done something to me or not? Okay. I mean, like, can I only complain about states that are touching me? Like, we're all in the big car together. Can I say North oh, Carolina keeps touching oh, yeah. me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And can yeah, I yeah. say to the Supreme Court, North Carolina <laughs> keeps touching me? West Virginia oh. keeps touching me. Can you make it stop? <laughs> for uh, uh, for our they listeners, they won't roll down the windows. For our listeners, um, uh, uh, if you grew up like Nia and I did with uh, multiple siblings, um, she is making reference to that time-honored practice, uh, particularly in our generation, uh, where we would be going uh, for a car ride wherever. Um, And our siblings uh, would be sitting beside us um, and as siblings are wont to do, uh, begin to annoy us. Um, and thus in the back seat, all of a sudden, you know, there would be cries, loud arguments, and, you know, pleas of our parents, could you please have them stop touching me? Right. To which uh, my father would exclaim at the top of his lungs, lungs. stop touching every, no <laughs> one touches anyone <laughs> until we get to granny's house. Which was who knows how far a drive. Like yes, mate. Or yeah. my mom. My mom. And, who would or be, who don't would make me pull the... over this car. Oh, <gasps> I wonder if or, Jay Rob would ever say that. Don't make me pull over this country and separate yeah, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> my my mom uh, uh, would say, um, uh, "Don't make me turn this car around." Exactly. I'm not you making know. you do anything. <laughs> by sheer whininess. <laughs> Um, am I correct in, um, in uh, assuming, Nia, that your desire to be the Commonwealth of Virginia's complainer-in-chief of uh, the behavior of other states is somehow rooted in the lawsuit that the state of Texas um, a couple of weeks ago filed with the United States Supreme Court against the behavior of the states of Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Yes. And by the way, listeners, we know you're not hearing this in real time. 
because we're not releasing this in real time. Um, but what I wanted to understand was how Texas could possibly think that it had it don't okay wait don't they call it standing yes when you bring a court like a lot of times things are thrown out because somebody doesn't have what they call standing which is you haven't been directly harmed by the behavior of the other individual or the corporation or the whatever it is that you're suing or the country if you're suing the the state like <clears throat> you haven't been directly harmed by them so that you don't have standing to bring a case right that's like a regular thing that things are thrown out for that's correct um so in, in cases at all levels state and federal courts that's right you have yeah. to show that you've been harmed in some material way either psychologically or emotionally or financially or physically yeah i mean so i mean basically nia um when a party files a lawsuit in a court the first question the court answers is whether or not the court has the authority to hear a case, and that's known as jurisdiction. But once a court determines that it has the authority to hear a case, then the follow-up question is, should the court hear a case? And one of the threshold questions that courts ask of themselves is, does the part, no, do the parties have for instance, standing. And those are known as rules of justiciability. So that's the second question. Should we take this case? And one of the rules of justiciability is standing. And standing is exactly what you described. Can you, as a party in front of a court, show to the court that you have been injured by the other party in the case, and that the court can address or correct the injury that you have suffered. So what was really confusing to a lot of people when the fine state of Texas filed its lawsuit against the states of Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Um, and by the way, the, 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 the specific offending behavior according to Texas was how those states accepted people's voting ballots and how they counted them. Okay. And basically See, and I don't understand how that could hurt Texas other than their feelings. I don't which hurting your feelings doesn't as far as I know is not like justices don't say oh sure we'll take this case and talk about hurt feelings because if that was the case then that's how every divorce would be filed every divorce would be filed under the grounds of you hurt my feelings <laughs> you you imagine the growing if you will legal practice of attorneys representing okay the siblings of exactly <laughs> People who got their feelings hurt, you know, by their brothers over any and number of things. Right. <laughs> My mom and daddy didn't raise me right. I'd like to sue them. I mean, you know, they're like, there's just the, anyway. <clears throat> okay. So basically, tech, uh, uh, the state of Texas, um, uh, the, its claim was based on, if you will, three constitutional uh, clauses. Um 
One is the electors clause in Article One of the Constitution. And you and I discussed the electors clause in a previous podcast episode. The electors clause basically gives state legislatures the authority to set rules for voting and counting votes within the states. Right, because voting is done at the state level. That's right. So the time you have national candidates, but the way that it's determined is always by the states. Yes. And this was one of the ways the framers of the U.S. Constitution guaranteed a small r Republican form of government, making sure that the states had, if you will, a role in the voting process uh, to avoid perhaps a central government um, taking away the voting privilege from the citizens of the individual states. What better right. way We've to go We've just ahead. decided not to hear from Hawaii these days. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, which isn't very nice. That's really rude. And they'd get their feelings hurt and then they could sue. I'm just saying. You know, because many Americans cannot actually identify the Dakotas on a map We'll just go ahead and ignore whatever the voters in the Dakotas have to say. No, 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 no. We can't do that because of the electors clause, right? And because we like the Dakotas. Sure we do. They we, keep the Canadians at bay. Yes. And, and marauding and, Canadians and, going all over the upper <laughs> Midwest. Yes. It's the Dakotas that keep those people out. I'm just saying. <laughs> so we so, are and, and in, so, so. seriously, part of that too has to do with Virginia's needs as a state are very different than Hawaii's needs as a state, even to the point of how culturally voting is done and that sort of thing. Yes. So saying there should be one rule that fits them all would not work because yes. those now, states are so different. Yeah, in the uh, in in the state of Texas was claiming that these four states in particular um, uh, use the pandemic to change their in their own state rules within those states, their own rules in regards to how people could vote and how votes would be counted. And according to Texas, that's extremely problematic because the electors clause gives state legislatures the authority to make those changes, not executive branch officials. So that, okay. was, that was one part of their argument. Second part was the Equal Protection Clause, okay? Basically, the state of Texas argued that state and lower federal courts um, were uh, discriminating against those people who actually followed the pre-existing rules within those states in regards to voting, and therefore, the individuals who were being treated differently were getting an unfair advantage. Okay, um, so Texas was asking the U.S. Supreme Court to basically, if you will, overturn decisions made by state courts within those four states or lower federal courts, which had basically gone ahead and said those changes in voting and how those votes were counted within those states were perfectly constitutional. And then the third challenge was rooted in the due process clauses of both the fifth and 14th amendments, okay? Basically, Texas was saying 
we believe the U.S. Supreme Court needs to step in because those states harmed, if you will, the liberty interests, and in some cases, the property interests of all those voters who actually followed the pre-existing rules before they were changed in those four other states because of the pandemic. Now, Texas argued, let me, let, let's get to on what grounds Texas actually thought that the Supreme Court could take the case. Wait, I have a question Which, first. Okay, go ahead. So those four, oh, I don't know, swing states. Yes. But it happened in lots of states. Yes. And they weren't brought into the case. No, because Texas argued that the, these four swing states were the most egregious violators of those three clauses of the U.S. Constitution. But Florida is not in there. No. Okay. You, you are, I am giving a little bit of side eye to Texas right now. <laughs> because amazingly enough, all of those states went for Biden. Yes. And they're not they're not doing any of that where they're they're not fussing about any of the states that did that, to, did all of these things that went for Trump. Yes. Hmm. Mm. That feels a little political to me. It, it's extremely political. Mm. It's extremely political. Now, a question I received from numerous students and former students was, how could Texas file this lawsuit directly with the Supreme Court? Because the state of Texas did not file this lawsuit with a lower federal court. Which would have been a district court, not a district. It, it, um, no, it would have been a federal district court first. Okay then a federal appeals court, and then the Supreme, the, yeah, the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay. And the reason why is um, the U.S. Supreme Court has original jurisdiction, and original jurisdiction means a court hears a case first. The Supreme Court has original jurisdiction in, very, uh, in only like three or four types of cases one of which is disputes among states. Disputes among states. The so you have to pick on another state in order to get the Supreme <laughs> Court to pay attention. Yes. Because <laughs> if you were picking on something within, within your state, they would say, no, no, go back to your... You would go to your state courts to first. your state court system. Or, or, so or a lower federal court, okay? But I see. It is, in, in, in the classic dispute, which, by the way, also happened within a week uh, of this particular case uh, uh, being dismissed by the U.S. Supreme Court, there was uh, a water dispute case between the state of New Mexico and the state of Texas. Um, and Oh, and among those states, water is more is valuable than gold, gold or oil or, or, or whatever. The right? Hope Diamond, none of it. None of it compares to, to water. This, this case, okay, has was first 
filed with the U.S. Supreme Court in 1988. The water case. Yes, the water case. Okay. The Supreme Court last week ruled in favor of the state of New Mexico. Okay. Uh, in regards to a reservoir um, uh, attached to the Pesos River. Okay. Uh, which both states draw upon for water. I'm sorry, did you say 32 years ago this case was filed? Yes. <laughs> and they say justice is slow. slow yes. Shaw, I say. <laughs> yes. So as I tell students all the time, okay, one of the few areas where the Supreme Court will hear a case first, where it has original jurisdiction according to the U.S. Constitution, is or cases where there are disputes between states. Okay. And you see this a lot with water rights, okay? There was a case last Supreme Court term between the states of Georgia and Florida, right? There are consent decrees, okay, that have been issued by the U.S. Supreme Court for water usage among Western states, okay? Um, you know, uh, use of the Potomac River between the states of Maryland and Virginia, those are typically where you see state, you know, state versus state disputes being heard by the Supreme Court. So this was highly unusual, highly unusual for one state to basically file a lawsuit at the U.S. Supreme Court and say, we want you all on the Supreme Court to get involved to basically tell four other states how they should allow their citizens to vote and how those votes will be counted. Well, now, a, a side was, note on the other kinds of cases, those are states that are in proximity to each, they're right next to each other. Yes. Those are, you've, you're talking about shared resources and disputed resources between two states that are physically touching each other right virginia maryland and new new mexico texas Ooh, texas that those in alabama florida those i mean uh, georgia, florida, georgia florida those are yeah. all those are all states where the the physicality of the states actually do mean that there's a there's a serious dispute that would be hard to settle except by an outside grown-up adult force yeah, I mean, because basically the framers assumed that disputes among states would never get reconciled within state court systems because state court systems more than likely would rule in favor of which party in the dispute. Of their own state. state. Right. Okay. So, so would you, those cases normally start in a district court? No. And then work their up to work, work through, or they just go straight to the Supremes? Go straight to the Supremes. Okay. Yep. And typically... What the Supreme Court does is hire uh, an individual known as a special master, okay, who does research on the dispute and then submits findings to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court either accepts the findings of the special master, modifies them, or rejects them. In this particular instance, the Supreme Court basically signed off on the findings of the special master in the New Mexico, Texas uh, water rights case. 
here the why did that take so long to get settled um because in part okay you're looking at previous agreements and decrees between the two states and you also had environmental and historical evidence that needed to be um, collected and there were multiple if you will um, uh, uh, steps in this case where the special master and this is like the third special master in this case. I mean, think about it. I yeah, mean, they've handed this off from generation, generation to generation. generation. Yeah, I want this job, by the way. I just discovered the next job I want. You want to be a special master? Heck uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That would be fabulous. Go and digging into all that stuff and trying to find oh, out. Yeah. Well, and it, with, with water rights, especially, those agreements are made <sighs> and then broken and changed and made and broken and changed time after time after time like finding the original you know, yes would be almost impossible well no i mean, wonder it, it took 32 years i mean in well, that sense it, if you're having to find original documents it, well and then also what is the meaning of those original documents today right because where were the lines then where well, were where, the where were the properties where, then where were the states then and, and then and then you got changing meaning of if you will words used in those original agreements Okay. Right. Do you update them? Do you go with, you know, th then this, you know, touches upon the debate on how you interpret legal documents. Okay. Do you use a, an original strict construction view of the language <laughs> or do you go with, you know, the loose, okay, updated version. Okay. Um, and, and then it gets really, and then it gets complicated. <laughs> yeah. So I could see, okay, so so Texas, okay. so it's but it's weird because Texas is also suing Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, which if I am correct about my geography, and I could be wrong. None of those none states. Of those states touch Texas, right? No. No. Okay. I'm just making sure that things haven't been moved around when I was sleeping last night because i i yeah surprise me i'm living in 2020 right now and even though people won't be hearing this till 2021 we're probably still living in sort of 2020 where <laughs> who knows where the states really are <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah i mean okay you know, so but texas, texas is like yeah, they, they changed the rules and i don't like it because i don't like the way it went and so i'm going to take this to the supreme court yes and the Supreme Court, by a vote of seven to zero to two, and I'll explain the vote count. I was going to say, I, I didn't think that's how Supreme Court votes went. Okay. I thought mathematically they were, they add up to nine with no numbers in between. I, I will get to that because quite a bit of the debate amongst the uh, academic discipline where I ply my trade was actually the vote count in this case. First of all, nearly every constitutional law scholar with whom I'm familiar thought Texas had like no chance <laughs> to actually have this case heard by the Supreme Court. Well, this case is openly political and the Supreme Court has been very careful about not getting involved in political disputes like that's not a thing they seem to really want to do i know that they are filled with regret many of them over the bush v gore 
sure decision um, because that was in that has been perceived over the years as deeply political um whether it was or not is not a thing we're going to discuss now but that's i i don't think they want to be seen as a political branch because they're not and they're trying very hard to stay out of all that mess they don't want to be and, and by the way that's another rule of justiciability of the supreme court the political questions doctrine there are certain questions that are political that are best left to the political branches right y'all should settle that over in congress that's not up to us but that's or, not that's not why the supreme court dismissed the case the supreme court dismissed the state of texas lawsuit on the grounds that you mentioned a few moments ago they said texas did not have standing they could not show injury okay that the supreme court could address other okay? other than emotional which the supreme court cannot fix yes. they hurt your feelings <laughs> you're just yes. gonna have to move on yeah um and, and basically um nia you just mentioned that the supreme court has particularly under the leadership of chief chief justice john roberts has really tried to um dial back um the the critique or to give less ground for people to say the supreme court is political the supreme court led by john roberts has been continuing a trend on the united states supreme court since the early 1990s to actually restrict standing to make it more difficult for parties to use the federal courts to basically settle political disputes or disputes that should probably be best left to the lawmaking process, right? Is that when they talk about tort reform, is that what they're talking about? The sort of narrowing the scope that of lawsuit, like of the way people can bring lawsuits? Um, I mean, in part, with tort reform, you're actually getting, it's less about standing and it has more to do with, okay, what kinds of behavior can you argue, um, particularly in regards to class action lawsuits, what kind of behavior um, actually constitutes um, an offense that a large class of people can say, we have all been harmed by that behavior, uh, right? Okay. okay. Whereas standing forces a party to go ahead and show in the first instance, basically three things. And this is actually comes from um, uh, a Supreme Court precedent from 1992, Lujan versus Defenders of the Wildlife. It was an environmental case. No. Yes. 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 <laughs> Defenders There's of the wildlife. The wildlife. I and, like their name. They're catchy. Oh, hey. And, and by the way, uh, listeners, uh, uh, you ought to look up Defenders of the Wildlife uh, on the internet. Um, they have like a really cool logo. So, I mean, even if you're not an environmentalist, <laughs> they have a pretty cool logo. Right? Okay. So you have to admi admire their graphic design, design if nothing uh, yeah, else. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> but basically in Def uh, Lujan versus Defenders of the Wildlife, the Supreme Court said um, a person has to satisfy a three-pronged three test to get standing. One, 
They have to show injury in fact. It cannot be hypothetical. Oh, okay. this could have hurt me. This, yeah. Or No, this actually hurt me. It actually yeah. cut off my leg, not it could have cut off, my, cut off my leg. Yeah, I mean, you can't go ahead and say more than likely in the future, this law or this regulation will hurt me. No, you have to actually wait until you've been what? Injured. That's okay. Right. Second, you have to show a causal connection between the injury and the behavior identified. So for instance, as I, I, I give this always as <laughs> a joking hypothetical in my classes, let's say some of my students want to sue me in the university for causing psychological harm because they took class with me. They actually have to show the connection between the psychological harm and taking class with me to satisfy that second prong. It could have been anything they were doing at the same time they were taking class with you. Yes. They were also taking class with Newman. Maybe he caused the psychological. <laughs> they were also, they also ate new foods that they'd never eaten before because they had a roommate who made all kinds of cool, weird things and they ate. That might have caused psychological harm during the same semester where they were taking it. A could, it could have been their roommates. It could have been a significant other. It could have okay. been their parents. It could have been a, a new drug that they were taking. And again, that all comes into okay, uh, 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 a hearing in regards to whether or not somebody actually can show standing. You have to show a causal connection, okay? And it's not causal. just correlation. And it's not correlation. It's right, you have to show that it actually caused the harm, <laughs> yes. not it was in all of the other things that caused the harm. That's right, okay? Okay. And for, for you, uh, for our listeners, if you've taken a research methods class and uh, uh, that, that little last little bit of conversation between me and I just <laughs> caused you a nightmare, you know, Sorry. The, dif the difference between <laughs> correlation and causation, yes, a causal connection. But then third, the court, you must demonstrate that the court can redress your injury or harm. And, and, and a lot of students struggle with this and a lot of parties to potential cases struggle with this. Sometimes a court can go ahead and say, yes, you've been injured, but the court can't do anything to correct the problem. Yeah, when they diverted the river off of your property and your property dried up and your farm died and you lost the property, you were harmed. But we can't do anything about, we cannot yes. retroactively go back, put water on your property and have it be fertile again. Like, we can say that they have to, they have to address your financial loss maybe, but we can't give you back your farm. We can't. Yeah, and, and, and give you and, and, back your multi generation, yeah, right heritage because that's been destroyed, and there's nothing that we can do to, yeah, and, is that and, and, the kind of thing you mean? Well, I mean, in the Lujan case, defenders of the wildlife were actually challenging uh, two projects um, outside of the United States, 
One was in was one was in Egypt, and the other one was in Sri Lanka. Both projects had received um, uh, uh, aid from the U.S. federal government. And Defenders of the Wildlife said the Endangered Species Act should have to apply to even international projects. And the U.S. Supreme Court said, even if Defenders of the Wildlife could show that they have been injured by these two projects, we don't have jurisdiction to force either Egypt or Sri Lanka to follow the Endangered Species Act. Because right. U.S. Supreme Court doesn't have jurisdiction in those other countries. Right. And, and our um, attachments to international courts are spotty at best. Best, yes. As a country, because yes. we have a tendency to start yowling about sovereignty and yes. things like that. Okay. Now, since that particular ruling in 1992, which came down by the Supreme Court led by William Rehnquist, Chief Justice William Rehnquist, um, his successor, John Roberts, is also a stickler for not, if you will, expanding standing, okay? Um, so it wasn't a big surprise that the U.S. Supreme Court did not grant the state of Texas standing. I have mixed feelings about that. Not yeah. about Texas. That was gooby. Um, <laughs> I don't have any mixed feelings about that. Uh, I don't have mixed feelings alert. about that. Sorry. Technical Sorry. language alert. Technical <laughs> language alert, gooby. Um, I, my feelings about that are when you're being nakedly political, it is best for the Supreme Court to stay out of it because that's not all that does is drag them into something that they don't need to be dragged into. So well done on them for saying, uh, we don't really want to be part of your political dispute here. However, I have mixed feelings about the standing thing, because there's part of me that's like, yes, you should have to show logically how you were harmed and in some way that you were harmed that can be made whole again, or at least attempt to be made yeah. whole again. Yeah. There's a part of me that's, and then there's another part of me that's like, but sometimes it's really hard to show how you were like what what the the fix for the harm would be and and so sometimes companies especially companies get away with doing things that they shouldn't get away with because the court will say yeah but there's nothing we can do about it now it's done right it's sorry what comes to mind is thalidomide yeah. Right. Yeah. The lawsuits for thalidomide didn't go anywhere because they said we can't give children back their arms and legs. Like we can't fix that. That should there should have been a, some other solution in my mind. Like and I know that for justice, it's really hard because you need justice to be able to be applicable in more than one case. And so I know that's why a lot of those cases didn't go anywhere. It's because it's it's really hard to make that applicable across all medications or all whatever, right? It just I don't know. I have I have some torn feelings about sort of tamping down on standing because yeah, I, mean, I don't want the system to be so unwieldy that nobody can ever sue for anything because there's no court that can never take your case because they're so weighed down with cases but by the same token sometimes people need to be punished 
Sometimes corporations need to be punished. Sometimes well, governments need to be punished. Need to be punished. But I mean, and 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 you're talking about the the classic debate um, about whether or not standing should be um, expanded or tightened. Right. Um, uh, there was a period um, in the late 1960s um, through the 1970s and 80s where the Supreme Court um, uh, loosened or expanded standing. And this was at the tail end of the uh, Supreme Court led by Chief Justice Earl Warren. And the logic of the court was, um, you know, more people should have an opportunity to use the federal courts uh, to get policy change and redress that was not forthcoming through the lawmaking process. Um, that, you know, the, the government had been harming them for years, decades, in some cases, centuries. And if you have very strict rules about standing, um, uh, the, the people won't be able to use the federal courts to get that kind of change uh, because the majorities in the lawmaking process aren't all that interested in helping out those in the minority. Right. So, you know, the logic of the court was you need greater standing. On the other hand, as you pointed out, if standing is easily achieved, then, you know, we better start hiring a whole <laughs> bunch more federal judges, administrative assistants, clerks, etc. because... To, want, to quote one of my favorite movies, we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to need a bigger boat or more big boats, right? right. Okay. Right. Um, and, 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 I, and I'm sympathetic, if you will, to both arguments. Um, yeah. Because as you pointed out, you know, with the, the New Mexico versus Texas case, you know, that case has been going on for, you know, 30 plus years. You don't get justice when a final outcome is 30 years in the making. When your kids inherit yes. your court okay. case. Yes, right? Um, and, 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 and a lot of people don't understand that when court dockets get swamped, then cases don't occur as quickly as they should, which means whatever legitimate harm or injury somebody has suffered is not going to get adjudicated by a court as quickly as it should. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah. So finding that line is a, there is a sweet there is a sweet spot. Right. Okay. Um, but I can tell you this: the Roberts Court, okay, um, is very very skeptical of standing. Okay. They're. <laughs> Well, apparently, because they were like, Texas does not have standing. Yeah, Texas does not have standing. Texas, your feelings got hurt, but hurt. not materially hurt. And Y'all need know, to sit down and be quiet. Yeah. Although, this, apparently, and, there is the O, and then there is the two. Okay. No, no Supreme Court justice felt as though Texas should have standing. But there were two justices who um, uh, uh, voted um, or, okay, Justice Alito joined by Justice Clarence Thomas, okay, Alito wrote separately to basically bring to 
the attention of the US legal community, but specifically the other justices on the Supreme Court, they, they think the Supreme Court should actually look at um, the court's original jurisdiction case law. They should be doing more things with, the, with original jurisdiction. Jurisdiction, yes. So the argument I've heard against that is that if you had 50 children in the backseat of your station wagon, you would never get anywhere. Are you going to snort that out of your nose? Yeah, I just sorry. Augie just took a cup, sip of coffee, and then yeah, I just took a big swig of coffee, and <laughs> Mia goes down the road of you got a car full of fifty kids. Are you going to actually let them file lawsuits against one another with pick their favorite parent? Right. right. Well, okay. and with impunity. Like I'm just going to file a lawsuit just. Like this week, I'm going to file a lawsuit against, we're not picking on, picking on the Dakotas anymore. I'm going to file a lawsuit against Montana for not keeping Canadians out. Dang it. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Although not, then not because we- Oh, really whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I can actually give you a real life case example. Oh, good. Because I don't like, my made up cases aren't very nice. Uh, well, I mean, but- Because I like Canadians. They're nice people. Yeah, and 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 you know, and I frequently go ahead and joke about the Dakotas, even though I have absolutely nothing against the Dakotas. They're beautiful. It, it's just that uh, I'm aware of the research that says many Americans can't pick them out on map. <laughs> I think that what's unfortunate for the Dakotas is that many Americans can't remember which capital is which. <laughs> right? They know yes. Pierre and Bismarck, but they're not sure which one goes Who with goes which. anyway. Yes. So, Ania, uh, 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 you may recall um, that in this millennium, uh, the, the, <gasps> fine, the fine state of Colorado. In the capital on the Dakotas. It's a new game. Oh, yeah. How about that? That would be great. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, um, uh, maybe I should go ahead and do that in my intro to U.S. government class. <laughs> Pin the capital on the state. You cannot take Here's the Here's a pile first... of 50 capitals. Here's a pile of 50 states. You cannot pass the course unless you get a passing grade on a map quiz of the United States, including capitals. Oh, you imagine what that would do to my um, uh, uh, course evaluations? Oh, man. <laughs> You'd be super popular in that way of things like the plague. Anyway. So re recall uh, when the fine state of Colorado uh, decided to... Uh, uh, legalize the recreational use of marijuana. Okay. Yes. Now, in the subsequent years afterwards, a number of the surrounding states, okay, and these were actually, you know, adjacent to Colorado, filed a lawsuit in federal court claiming that there were, in the language of economists, negative externalities that impacted the surrounding states because Colorado had legalized marijuana. So people um, were going from Wyoming over the border to buy marijuana pot. and then taking it back to Wyoming. Yes, okay. And, and now Wyoming's trying to figure out how to police that, how to- Yes. I do, mean, and they're losing all the money from sales tax and- In, in, in other kinds of things. All that other stuff. And in my favorite example that was actually raised in the filing by the surrounding states was that many individuals who bought, who drove to buy their pot in Colorado, 
would start consuming the pot on the road as they were driving back to their home state, okay, causing them to drive slow. <laughs> too slow. Oh my. Too slow. And they were causing traffic problems, not because they were driving too fast or too erratically, they were driving too slow. <laughs> Am I high? Are you high? Are we high? I better slow down. You better yeah. slow down. Okay. Now, uh, uh, the, 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 the surrounding states actually filed a, a lawsuit with the U.S. Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court dismissed the case. Um, uh, but uh, they didn't, you know, they just refused to go ahead and take it. But part of their argument was, the surrounding states, was that, <clears throat> um, uh, you know, the Supreme Court has to take this case because of original jurisdiction, Okay. Uh, the only problem was the constitutional argument that they were raising was based on federalism, okay? And there, the United States Supreme Court was basically like, well, your larger problem is the state of Colorado has adopted a practice that is in contradiction with federal law. So if you want relief, you need to go where? surrounding oh, states district no you need to go to the united states congress and have congress address if you will this contradiction oh i see i mean and it is a contradiction i mean it is a contradiction you have a federal law which by the way was upheld by the u.s supreme court in gonzalez versus race okay that says the federal government can classify marijuana as what is it a class, class a class yeah. a substance is, i think it's class a class i think a is the one you can't a or b uh look at us we don't know the classification i don't know the classification of marijuana but marijuana. there are while Augie's looking that up because he's he's taking the turn for research this time, there are classifications of drugs, and some of them schedule two schedule that's it yes uh, yep. where you can't bring them into the country at all somewhere you can bring or you can have them but if you get caught there'll be certain amounts of legal problems, and then some that don't have any. They're like open schedule you can have like what we think of as over the counter. Yes. So Schedule 1 are uh, drugs with no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. Um, like heroin. Okay. Um, actually, uh, marijuana is in Schedule 1. Uh, heroin, LSD, marijuana, uh, ecstasy, uh, meth, and actually peyote. Um, and then Schedule 2, okay, um, there are some medical uses, but by and large, they can still be prohibited. That includes uh, Vicodin, cocaine, methamphetamine, methadone, <laughs> okay, oxycodone. <laughs> so that's interesting. Marijuana is not considered a Schedule Two. Nope, it's Schedule Even One. Even though states are arguing that it is it's, a Schedule Two, that yeah. it is that there are medical uses. Well, uses that's interesting. Yep, I, so I, I that is something that would have to be changed through the regulatory process, or the lawmaking process, or the lawmaking process. Because I don't I mean, know whether the schedule is regulatory or league or law. 
Or statutory. Uh, uh, actually, some of these are actually written into law. Others, um, the uh, DEA has the authority to make those determinations. Yeah. So it'd probably be a good thing for that to be cleared up too. Yep. Yep. I mean, really, where you just randomly pick, we'll put these in the law, but we won't mention the others. Anyway, we could fuss about that for days, but we shouldn't. Um, so the two so, said. So basically, they wanted, they want the court to go ahead and get some clarity on when it's going to use its original jurisdiction. Because, you know, they want to, you know, if you will, send a clear message. These are the types of cases that we think satisfy the original jurisdiction uh, clause of Article 3 of the Constitution, and these are ones that don't. Okay. So am I correct that in this particular instance, uh, Justices Alito and Thomas didn't particularly like the case? Oh, they didn't no. particularly uh, the, like Texas. The, the, there was they no... just they just wanted to say, but this is the kind of case that we should take because we have original jurisdiction. Diction. Or if we're not going to take this type of case, we ought to give some guidance as to what cases we do believe satisfy original jurisdiction and which ones don't. Right. Okay. But there was no justice on the court who felt as though Texas. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so they all turned sideways and gave side eye to Texas. They were all yes. like, we're looking at you, Texas. You need to go home now. What I'm a little surprised by and why I want the job for complainer in chief okay, um, is I was a little surprised that other states, oh. other states attorneys were like, yeah, go Texas, go. I was a little surprised by that because um, I probably shouldn't have been, but I was surprised that other attorneys general would want to get involved in it. You know what I mean? Like, this seems the kind of thing, like if somebody had called me up from Texas and said, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing, me as the complainer in chief in Virginia, I'd say, yeah, no, we're not in that. We don't, we don't want to be involved in that. Okay. That seems like it's going to lose. And when it does, we're going to all look like chuckleheads for having gotten on board. Well, even beyond the appearance, you know, as Nia, you frequently lament, uh, it's, you know, one of my roles in this podcast is to go ahead and have you say you want to be X. And then I spend 50 minutes telling you all the reasons why you can't, because <laughs> I, I focus on implications, right? Right. Um, I would be, you know, an attorney general from another state who would be like, Okay, so what's the implication? You know, what is what happens if the court had taken the case and now all of a sudden we're opening ourselves up to other states filing lawsuits in the future because of things that we do in my state or our state, okay, even if we can root it to a federal constitutional authority given to a state. Oh, considering how many times Florida is the problem child in an election, <laughs> if I were them, 
I would have not answered the phone. I would have been like, uh, sorry, I can't get involved with you because we are, we will, in fact, get yelled at the next time there's an election. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, so, for, yeah, I mean, for me. That's okay. part of it, too, is I'm thinking, oh, but there by the grace of God, go y'all. You know, you have to be careful about about picking up a rock and making sure you're not standing in a great big old glass house. House. I mean, I, I, I. I I, I think about this kind of thing with some regularity, and I know that it's not all that popular in modern politics to actually like pause and say, what if the roles were reversed? Right. But I, I think every once in a while, we need to have a little bit more of that, particularly from our elected officials um, who have the authority to say, for instance, file lawsuits, <laughs> okay? You know, to maybe pause and say, Okay, if we do this, how would we feel if the roles were reversed? Well, it's what we've talked about with court packing. We pack the court, then you pack the court, then we pack the court, then you pack the court, and pretty soon the court is 484 people. Yes. And nothing gets done because yes. and the court no, is collapses and, under its own weight. And nobody in the public actually takes the court's ruling seriously because right. they basically think – um, it is a politicized body, and the you know a particular decision will be based on um, which judges from which party were actually assigned. Right. I mean that's that's why, for instance, almost all of these rulings, no matter who appointed the federal judge, all of these rulings basically just went ahead and said, "There's no merit. There's no merit." Right. Um, and, and Nia, unfortunately, has been hearing, hearing me say this for, you know, for <laughs> multiple years now, but that's the thing about federal judges. Um, a particular president from a particular party can appoint them, but they will get on the court and they will just go ahead and basically say, yeah, I really don't care if my ruling is going to harm you, Mr. or Madam President who appointed me but you're wrong on the law and we're not going there. Well, because at some point they become hyper aware of their own legacy. They become yes. hyper aware of their, of the contributions that they are making to the law. As presidents come and go, but precedent in the law lasts for hundreds and hundreds of years. So and, and, they're, and they're concerned about, you know, their reputation and standing in the legal community. And hey, for a lot of them, they got a basic job. They interpret the law. Right. And if you're going to go ahead and make a no novel legal argument, don't do it in my court. <laughs> right. Or come with it so airtight that it's already pre-decided. You, know you know what I mean? Like come with it so clean yeah, that there's I mean, no way that I can poke holes in it and say... You know, that's a totally political you know work thing. it out in law review articles have a bunch of law school professors you know tear this apart and really yeah. get it tight and then exactly. come to my court right? exactly. yeah this this should have been vetted way more <laughs> yeah. yeah okay all right well okay so i think i i think i still want to be complainer in chief but but hey everybody should special have a research wait wait no no special Special master, yes. Special master, <laughs> that you, sounds you, good too. Yeah, you like the title. Yeah, hello. 
but you wouldn't, wouldn't want to be, and I and I would choose special mistress. So I'd be special mistress Nia, which has a whole separate set of connotations, which we cannot get into because it's a family podcast. This is a family show, but also think about how that looks on your email signature. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that happy note, thanks everybody. And thank you, Augie. Thanks, Nia. Take care. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this.